This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Necessary Roughness brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, to say the Pro Bowl was... Uh, in in I don't know Dan Campbell's terms, a turd is probably giving it too much credit. When I, I know that you played in the Pro Bowl, I never had the opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl, and well, most right tackles don't. No, it, it, but I, I don't care. It's that's a game where two years ago, right before the pandemic, before there was a halt, there was at least tackling in the game. You could at least see at times there were. Effort? Effort, yeah. (laughs) That was a complete and utter disaster. Do you think the Pro Bowl goes away? Should it go away? I I don't... I'm never going to watch again. I used to watch all the time. But I am never going to watch again. I watched for about 30 seconds, and I heard the whistle blow on a a, a pass catch to Debo Samuel. And I'm like, wait a second here. Am I watching Thursday practice? Is this practice film... And and you know like, I don't understand what's going on, but no, it was the entire game. There there technically wasn't a tackle in the game. Yeah, it was uh, it was rough, and and I made it just slightly longer than you did. I made it probably five minutes. Yeah, um, but it was kind of background noise, and you know I, I've been telling myself year for years now that I'm probably not going to watch the Pro Bowl. Every year I kind of click it on just to well, you, just you, to see you, if it changed. You still got your buddies playing? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> I never played with him, but Max Crosby's an Eastern guy I know pretty yeah. well, and, uh, you know, he played out there yesterday, and I think he was the MVP. Um, I'll tell you what, though, being an offensive lineman in the Pro Bowl is probably the worst position to play because you've got a bunch of, you know, most of the tackles that are there are left tackles. Yeah. Somebody's got to suck it up and go play right tackle. It's hilarious watching these, uh, you know, veteran all pro type guys go, try to go to right tackle and block TJ Watt, Miles yeah. Garrett. Um, so it's uh, it's it's pretty brutal. Uh, you know, the first half everybody's kind of, 
you know, chill, chill, chill. And then when you get to the fourth quarter and it's a close game, it's just a total show because everybody starts talking, uh, you know, hey, if you win this, if you win the Pro Bowl, you get like a $50,000 check for the winning team. Losing team only gets like half of that. Right. It's like 20 or 30. So in a close game in the fourth quarter, <laughs> you'll see a defensive lineman that's been chilling the whole game just automatic, you know, all just of a sudden throw an yeah. atomic bull rush on the offensive lineman. And it's a, it's a that's brutal. pull out the cut. Oh, it's so brutal, man. And, and you don't know what to do. I mean, it's, it's so hard. But no, I think, look, I mean, the Pro Bowl is probably still going to be around for a long time um i don't know i mean i feel like we have this conversation every year you know what should they do should they just make it you know seven on seven should they make it uh you know flag football in a sense i don't know what to do i mean it's it's still profitable i mean it's still a great time for these guys it was profitable i don't know how profitable it's going to be after this year yeah because before it was there was at least a semblance of even if it was hey in the first half you know, uh, you know the handshake at the line of scrimmage. I get that, but at least there was tackling. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the worst it's been um, in a long time. Uh, I don't know how you change it, but the officials were even in on it. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, as soon as you know, there was it was almost like a two foot you know halo. As soon as yeah. you got close to the ball carrier, it's just you didn't even nope, touch nope, them. Nope, like play. you could say two hand <laughs> touch like football. It wasn't even that. Yeah, it, it was. was <laughs> I, I I saw you. You're down. Yeah, just get in a shadow and we'll blow it dead. But yeah. no, I think uh, look, it's it's a great way for these players to um, you know celebrate the end of a, a, a great season. Um, I think it was fun for me the the couple opportunities I had to go down there to. Uh, you know, meet a lot of other guys around the league and, yeah. and talk to some uh, other offensive linemen that, you know, I, I didn't really know. Um, that was fun. So I think it's still a, it's still a great uh, award uh, reward for a lot of these players that, you know, had great seasons. But, no, I think the product is just uh, – it speaks for itself. I mean, it's just – it's been terrible for a long time now. And, you know, the NFL says every single year, you know, I, I read a – you know, article just about it last night. You know, well, the NFL will stay along. The the Pro Bowl will still, uh, you know, stay here as long as you know the NFL still making money. And you know, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're still getting paid some money from what whatever ESPN whatever it was on. But um, it's it's just it's brutal product. And I think you at least you know what you're getting into now. I don't think anybody turns on the Pro Bowl to watch. Uh, you know, great players light it up or you know big hits and and all this. I think people have realistic expectations to know that this game is is not really a football game it's more of just to kind of jog through you know saturday like practice let's go throw the ball around a little bit and look i mean these guys are all out in vegas too what do you think they were doing saturday night I mean, most of them are probably hungover. They don't want to go yeah. run around out there and tackle. We know what Elvin Kamara was doing Saturday. <laughs> oh, no, man, that's uh, we'll see what happens with that. But no, I mean, it's you know, you, you don't you don't approach it like a normal game. You don't right. prepare for it like a normal game. You know, um, so when you get out there, it's just kind of hey, go through the motions and uh, you know, it's it's a funny feeling. You're always waiting to see who's going to be the one kid that just goes full speed to set the tone and then the rest of the game you're like all right uh, you know TJ Watts over here going full speed guys you know we got to yeah. we got to go hit his ass in the ribs uh it's funny to see who's yeah. who's going to do that but no I, I mean you know what it is the pro bowl it's uh it's ultimately turned into a joke for us fans to watch i mean there's not really uh there's not really much satisfaction you get out of watching that game anymore well did you watch any of the skills competition 
No, I didn't. The NFL, uh, I didn't. Yeah, it, it actually, I saw a couple of clips on Twitter of you know quarterbacks thrown at the moving targets, right? And, which I thought was cool. Um, yeah, I, I I think that they should try and capitalize on that. Get rid of the game. Have all the have a fan experience. Bring all the guys in so they get a chance to you know, like you mentioned, hey, it's the camaraderie. They get a chance to celebrate the end of a season. Offensive linemen, like, don't even put your pads on if yeah. you're going out there to do that. Like, you're, you're, it's like you're going to a costume party at that point. Well, bring back the uh, Larry Allen uh, bench press. The, remember, they used to do that yeah. in the 90s, the, uh, the uh, bench press, the 225 rep at the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Larry Allen was hitting it like 40 times. Yeah, <laughs> and just setting it down because he was bored, <laughs> yeah. not because yeah. he was tired. Okay, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just throw this down. But they had the, the precision passing. Uh, which we just talked about, I thought was cool. Fastest man, which I thought was you know not legitimate. Micah Parsons came away the winner, but I don't think Tariq Hill um, even got into second gear. He was he was uh, in cruise control. Uh, the thread the needle um, again quarterback thing, the best catch. But the one that I thought was awesome was the elite pro dodgeball, Pro Bowl dodgeball. I heard about that. I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, I think it was Justin Jefferson that won that one as well, but. I thought things like that, all right, you, you, it's it's completely out of, you know, it's obviously nothing to do with football other than Justin Jefferson catching a, you know, a, a ball. Yeah. But it at least there was, it was just fun to watch. Like, and, and you see the competition in these guys. They, you know, they're more competitive in that dodgeball game than they were in the entire four quarters of the, of the football game. I'd take more of that. Take, yeah. take some of that stuff and put it in there. Throw a little, and, like, home run derby in there or something. Yeah. Now. Let's see what kind of athletes these guys are. Exactly. You know, see if uh, – and, and and then switch it up, too. Like, put the – you know, make some of the – you know, whether it's linemen, let us do that uh, – the, the 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 passing ones. Yeah. See do who's got some man, skill. Do a big man seven-on-seven, seven, you know. O-line, There you go. Receivers, DBs. Big man seven-on-seven. Seven. Who's yeah. – okay, so let's put that together. Okay, we're going off the cuff here. Uh, big man, seven on seven. All right. Who of, of your former teammates, who's the quarterback? You, you know what, John, I'm not lying to you. I think I would be the quarterback. Okay. I was going to okay. say, I was going to put myself a quarterback. Too. Yes, I would. <laughs> the only, I only say that I'll tell you a quick story. Every Friday, um, in green Bay, we used to do pre-practice. We'd run through a two minute drill, yeah. you know, offense, and all the backups were playing defense. We'd run through some plays. And then after that, we would have like five minutes left over before practice. So we would we would literally do a big man two-minute drill where all the, you know, Aaron Rodgers was playing center. He's snapping me the yeah. ball. All the receivers are playing O-line. And then all the offensive linemen were playing receivers. And, uh, no, I used to be the quarterback. And I don't think I could do it anymore. But, you know, there's a couple. Yeah, I used to be able to chuck that thing, man. Oh, 50, yeah. 55 yard dimes, you know, mm-hmm. on a rope. Troy Aikman was at practice one day and gave me a nice compliment. Said I had great top on my football, whatever that means, <laughs> on the deep ball. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was proud of that. Um, but, uh-huh. no, I think I not no bullshit. I think I would be the quarterback. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who was your number one target? Um, J.C. Treader was he, – he plays center now for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, always a very good athlete. Um, very quick for being, you know, a 295, 300-pound type guy. He was my yeah. number one target. We'd kind of give a little wink, and he'd run a go route, and nobody could cover him. Um, <laughs> he was the number one guy. He was a speed guy. Yeah. Uh, sitting um, – you know, sitting was more of, you know, my running back, just kind of 
check yeah. down type guy. He didn't like moving a lot. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick some Lions guys, you know, Decker, I mean, he's been a pretty good red zone target. We've seen him catch the ball um, over the pa- shoulder. Yeah, over the past couple years. I mean, he's gotten some nice targets. Uh, so he'd be a probably good red zone guy. Yeah. Um, tight end type guy. I mean, Bakhtiari was like, okay, kind of work in the middle of the field. You know, he's kind of got some stiff knees, but, yeah. uh, you know, he can be Gronk type, you know, just target type dude down the middle. So he would, uh, He'd probably be your more blocking tight end that kind of sneak out on a pop pass once in a while. Uh-huh. Um, so he was, you know, he was okay. You know, he wasn't the best athlete ever played with. But J.C. Treader was the lo- he was the home run hitter. He was my Tyree kill. Mm-hmm. Nobody could cover him. Nice. I mean, you just kind of everybody's got to have one later, and you know, two minute was over pretty quick. I think another one that would be fun, and we used to do this to try and get out of practice during training camp. And I'll just preface it by saying we never missed a practice. They would put the five offensive linemen. Returning punts. Yeah, catching yeah. punts. And they would, you know, at first it was the jugs machine. And we start to, we, we would actually practice. And we, you had to, it wasn't just like, you know, one guy catches it and practice is over. You had to have three out of the five catch it. And we had one practice where we got two off the jug. So we got a little bit close. So uh, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, I just remember this one time, he's like, okay, punter out there. And coming off the foot, I, I, I gained a, a, a new respect for our return guys. Because <laughs> I love, you know, like playing outfield, shagging fly balls. That's no problem. I can read it off the bat. I know, you know where it's going. I can judge the speed. I can, I can do that. It's one of my most favorite things to do to this day, shagging fly balls. Catching a punt is completely different oh yeah you never know that ball it's like a knuckleball coming at you oh and it's frightening i forget who our punter was at the time but he was a veteran punter he was down in jacksonville for a long time came up and punted with us for a few years broke his nose in the thanksgiving day game against uh, (laughs) dallas uh it was trying to make a tackle no it was he got hit as the holder on the uh, on a on a field goal. Oh no! And it just his, his his nose was replaced, and it was it was basically moved to the side of his face. It was <laughs> then his ear. So he spent a few days in Dallas before he could even come Yeesh. back. That's how bad it was. But it was, you know, he would he would do the the different styles of punt. Right? He thought he was really cool. Yeah. Um, as as most punters think they are. The Aussie, the end over end. Oh yeah, the, he, you know, it would become an end over end and knuckleball. And I mean, every time, right? And when it was coming off the foot we would have guys that would be like, they were camped underneath it. And all of a sudden, as it got closer to them, they would start backpedaling and it never failed. As soon as they start backpedaling, they're looking up all the weight is back. Yep. They would fall back and right on your ass, right on their ass, bang their head on the ground. And it was, Hey, let's get out to practice. <laughs> I think that one would be fun to watch at the pro bowl. Yeah. That was always a fun one. We, you know, I think that's pretty common with teams, you know, putting the big guys back and yeah. doing the punt returns. Hey, you catch three out of five. No yeah, practice. It's impressive. We did. We used to. Uh, we did a couple, um, you know, in Green Bay where we did, you know, field goal competition with the big guys. Oh and, yeah, and uh, kicking a field goal is freaking hard, man. Snap or hold and hold uh, or no? Just I mean, hold. it was pretty much just like uh, hold. Yeah, and they still had a tee because. I don't. I wouldn't want to be the guy holding it. I mean, you got these three hundred pound dudes like flailing their footer. That's There's like a, a bro- broken hand. Yeah, that's a broken hand for sure. Uh, actually, it might have been on a tee. I'm not sure. Maybe they just uh, decide to be safe. I can't remember. Tee it high and let it fly. I mean, I got to tell you, even kicking like a twenty yard field goal is so freaking hard. <laughs> like you're stubbing your foot on the ground. You're you're, you're tripping over the tee. It's like, Give oh it. my god, you want to see like the least athletic dudes ever? <laughs> Watch offensive linemen try to kick field goals. We did that for a couple years. 
And so it kind of became normal. We had a guy actually, uh, um, he was a defensive lineman, uh, Colin Jenkins, who was good. Yeah. He was a good player. Um, he used to do it pregame warm-ups before games. He'd go out there and, and get a tee and just kind of kick field goals uh, pregame warm-up. And we're all getting, we're getting ready for the game, you know, a couple hours later and we're out there and you're kind of going through the, you know, the, the introductory, you know, and it's like, where the f*** is Colin at? Like, nobody knows where Colin, it turns out he, he like kicked the ground and had a high ankle sprain from kicking field goals. Oh. (laughs) McCarthy was, I mean, he was fuming. He was so freaking pissed the whole next week. You don't t- don't touch a field goal. Or yeah. Don't don't touch a ball unless you have to touch a ball. Don't kick a ball. You don't kick the ball. Like he, it was just a whole new thing, and it was. Uh, it always takes one guy just to kind of ruin the fun, you know, for the yeah. for the guys. But no, I think that's uh, kicking field goals, the punt return, big guy seven on seven. I oh, think yeah. we're on to something. Yeah, I think we see, are. See who the athletes are. Yeah. But no, I think the Pro Bowl to We better trademark it before the NFL steals it. Because you know they will spend way millions. Too much. We've given the Pro Bowl way too much talk already today. We have. It's just, uh, oh boy. It's, uh, at least it you know terrible. what it is. It's just awful. Yeah. It's just and it tough. just gets worse every it's year. It's tough to watch. Um, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers was your center. You're our insider. Um, he's in the division. We want him out of the division. What? Uh, any update that you can uh, share with us? Uh, your feelings on whether he'll be back in Green Bay or not? No, I think my feelings haven't changed at all. I said, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when when their season was over, that I don't think he's done playing football. But I I can't picture him playing back in Green Bay. I just can't. When you take a look at, um, you know, their salary cap situations, the free agents they have, uh, Devonte Adams being the biggest one. Uh, how are they going to make this all work and try to bring back guys that Aaron is going to want to that he thinks you can win a Super Bowl with? Um, I, I just don't see how that's possible right now. And, and there's ways that teams get around the salary cap and you know put money into future con- whatever it is. But I just don't see it. I, I think if you know I try to put myself in Aaron Rodgers' shoes and say you know okay the last three three years we you know we had a really damn good team and. You know, we lose twice in the NFC Championship game, and then you have this one year where it feels like, uh, you know, the GM and and uh, what what the front office is doing is trying to give you everything to win. They're trying to go all in for one year. Um, they made a run at guys like Von Miller and like Odell Beckham. They didn't get yeah. either one of them, but at least they did something out of their norm and tried. Um, but you've hit your ceiling. You know, you've hit your ceiling. You tried to go all in for this one year, and you don't even make it out of the divisional round. Uh, if you're Aaron, you know how are how are you going to make that work with bringing back Devontae, bringing back other guys, finding a way to get under the salary cap, maybe maybe bringing in a couple more guys to help you get over that hump? I just yeah. don't see how that's possible. And if I'm an Aaron Rodgers shoes, you just kind of read between the lines, and um, you know Nathaniel Hackett, who was their offensive coordinator, left to go to Denver. Um, that's probably going to have a big impact on you know what he wants to do. I mean, he's he's said in the past, you know, he doesn't want. Yeah, uh, you know, I think he said, you know, he. I hope you know Hackett doesn't leave. You know, he's been my favorite coach, but you know, if he leaves, hopefully, it's you know, he, he kind of made a reference like I don't want him to leave unless I do type thing. Right. You know, um, so you kind of read between the lines there. You also read, you know, after the game how Aaron says, you know, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild, right, in, in Green Bay, and probably looks like they might have to go that way. I mean, when you just look at the cap situation and what they're doing. It's going to be hard to bring in free agents. It's going to be hard to sign all your guys. It's going to be hard to get this team back where you were this year, which you were a pretty damn good team, and you couldn't get out of the divisional round. I, I just, I don't think, I don't think Aaron, 
I don't see him playing again in Green Bay, which is unfortunate. So the logical thing says if they are entering a rebuild, your biggest value piece you have under contract is Aaron Rodgers. So you got to believe that they'll try and move them and maximize whatever they can get in return, whether it's two first, it's three first, whatever it is. That market was kind of set last year by Detroit and Stafford. I think everybody would agree that I think, you know, if you had the choice between the two, you'd take Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. do they get more for him? Because the market's going to be a little bit different. Who knows what it brings? Yeah. Is there ever a scenario where Green Bay says, you know what, either you're playing for us or you're not playing? And they draw a hard line in the sand and say, hey, you're back with us. You're under contract for one more year. You're either playing for us or you're not playing anywhere. Yeah, I, I think we saw that situation this past year. I think, uh, you know, it was real that last offseason where, um, you know, all the reports were coming out about Aaron Rodgers wanting out and, you know, not feeling that the organization was doing enough to help him, uh, you know, win another title. Um, I think that was real. And I think that Green Bay – Stood their line. You know, they they held their ground. They said, you know, we're not giving in. We're not trading Aaron Rodgers. We got calls from, you know, San Francisco offering a bunch of, you know, picks and players, whatever it was. We're not giving them up. Um, Now, I don't know exactly. There's obviously been a lot of talk of, you know, promises made. I don't know if it was put into contract or put, you know, in on pen and paper about, you know, come back for 2021 and, you know, if you're not happy after this year, we agree to, you know, trade you. That was, that was a big rumor when he came back. That was a lot of people, there was a lot of people saying that he's going back under this preface that if he doesn't want to return in 2022, the Packers are going to do right by him and grant him a trade, Uh, probably not a release because they're not going to get anything for him, but grant him a trade, right? We'll see if that's true. Um, We'll see if that's true, but I think that was a big part of why Aaron Rodgers wanted to come back. I, I think it was because, uh, you know, let's try to go one more round at this thing and, um, you know, let's do some uncomfortable things and try to go all in and, and go trade, you know, maybe a couple picks and get some players and try to get over the hump. Now, they didn't do that. Now, we'll see, uh, A, we'll see if that was true, what we, you know, read and heard about that promise being made, and B, we'll see if, you know, Green Bay sticks up to their word. Um, but look, I think if you're in Green Bay, if you're running that team, if you're Brian Gutekus, the GM, you're probably in a pretty good spot, right? There's a reason you drafted Jordan Love in the first round, traded up to draft Jordan Love in the first round a couple years ago. What we saw from him this year wasn't spectacular against the Lions or against Kansas City, but you see, you see some potential there. Um, right now you have an opportunity to parlay maybe Aaron Rodgers into, like you said, three or four first round picks, plus maybe, you know, a couple players from Denver that'll help you, um, kind of speed up that rebuild as well. So, uh, I think, look, if you're green Bay, you have to pull the trigger now or never, you have to do it now or never, because if Aaron Rodgers, you know, comes back unhappy next year and, you know, sabotages the season, whatever it is, his trade value goes way down. You're not getting anything for the guy, right? Now, you're probably not going to have better trade value than you do right now um, for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career. He's probably going to come off another MVP uh, season. We'll find out what, I guess, in, you know, this Saturday before the Super Bowl is when that's usually announced. But um, I I think, look, you have to make a tough decision. Do you move on from a guy that's – it's always the timing, right? When's the best time? If he wants to be gone, 
you know, there's nothing you re- you can really do. You can't hold on to them and and just have you know the team kind of sink because of it. Now you're not getting anything in return. If you're the Green Bay Packers, you have to realize that this is a really good chance to move on to Jordan Love while also adding a bunch of arsenal, whether it's players or picks. And you have to you have to make that tough decision. And ultimately, that's what I think is going to happen. I think Green Bay is going to ultimately agree to move him. Well, uh, another thing that could be moved is the number two pick that the Detroit Lions hold. We'll discuss that in a minute. Plus, some movement on Michigan's coaching staff. We'll get a chance to talk about that here in just a few minutes as well. Now, TJ, I mentioned that it was, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, the Lions' number two pick. And that number two pick, I'm curious because Brad Holmes – all week long, we heard from Brad Holmes, we heard from Dan Campbell, we heard from Mark Brunel, the quarterback coach, they were pumping up Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think the Lions are doing that because at number two, they're going to take a quarterback, Malik Willis. I, I, I truly think that they believe he had a good week of practice at yeah. the Senior Bowl, but it could also be a little smoke and mirrors trying to build up the, you know, Malik Willis, trying to create a market for that number two pick. And Brad Holmes was asked if they'd be willing to trade that number two pick. And he said, I've never, I'm never scared to move around. So we're definitely open for business always. Do you think there would be value? And if so, where could that value be in trading the number two pick? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I think, uh, look, there's only a couple scenarios where uh, if you're Brad Holmes and the Lions that I would do this. Um, it probably wouldn't be for you look at a team like Philly that has three first round picks, but they're yeah. not till like, you know, 14, 16, 18. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would want to do that. And you want to go that far. I don't, I don't think you would want to move out of the top 10, right? No. Because then you're, you're probably still getting good players, but, uh, you know, there's a difference between being a top 10 pick and being a top 20 pick, right? right. It, it just, it, it's just common sense. But, um, you look at teams like, uh, you know, the Jets who sit there at four and, and 10. Um, you know, how does, what is that comparison, right? If they, if you get a call and say, uh, Hey, we'll give you four ten uh, to move up to two and maybe you throw us back, uh, you know, third or a fourth right now you're sitting there at four and 10, you got two top 10 picks. I mean, that's a situation that I would imagine would be pretty hard to turn down because, um, you just take a look and I know this is going to change again by the time we get to, uh, you know, the draft, and by the time the combine rolls around, and, you know, from two months from now, I mean, who the hell knows what draft boards are going to look like yep. and what mock drafts are going to look like. Um, for the last couple months, it's pretty pretty kind of set at, hey, you know, Hutchinson and Thibodeau, one and two, right? Now you start reading some things where, uh, you know, hey, Thibodeau could, you know, move down to six, seven. Hey, Hutchinson can move down to seven, eight, right? You just don't know. Um, it kind of seems like the one thing that's been – happening the last couple weeks and specifically since the uh, senior bowl last week with the practices in the senior bowl in the game Mm -hmm. is that the edge rushers in this draft are starting to get very clumped together right three or four of them you start yeah you start to look at this uh you know even even a i mean his name has been kind of mentioned up there in the top 
uh, top five. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what mock draft you read. Um, you know, the guy, I, I think it was Johnson, who's a defense, is a pass rusher from uh, Florida State or, or Miami, one of the Florida schools, who had a really great week at the Senior Bowl. And now yeah. he's, people are, you know, comparing him to Thibodeau and Hutchinson and, hey, can he jump those? So those edge, those edge rushers really start to feel like they're getting clumped together, which. I don't know it's a good thing if you're number two for the Lions because if you had a premier guy like Hutchinson, if they think, hey, Hutchinson's the premier number one guy in that class, we obviously don't want to move back to lose him. But if somebody, if you don't feel that way, and maybe the Jets do, yeah. now you're sitting there at a chance saying, okay, we can give up two because we're still going to get a hell of a pass rusher at four. We know that. Maybe yeah. the Jets just feel that Hutchinson is the clear-cut number one guy, and that's who they want to go get. That would probably be a dream scenario if you believe that there's other edge rushers that you can get at four or maybe ten that are going to make a big uh, impact on your team. But um, I think that would probably be the on- only situation I would do. I mean, you look at the Giants, you know, they obviously have two top ten picks as well. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't want to move outside the top ten. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to move for, uh, you know, a future one, anything like that, especially when you're sitting there at number two. I uh, wouldn't want to do that. Um but look, I think any time that you're a team, uh, you know, like the Lions that have multiple needs, um, the more picks you get, the better, right? Yep. The more chances you get to hit a hit on that lottery ticket and and find maybe two premier playmakers instead of just one. Um, and it's different. I mean, last year we saw with San Francisco. I mean, they trade up to what number three, yep. and they take a backup quarterback who doesn't even play for them. But there was a, that's yes. a situation where that that's that team's one player away from winning. Yep. And if Trey Lance turned out to be a stud, I mean, maybe that's what it would have taken to get over that hump and get back to the Super Bowl. We don't know. But well, it could be what it takes to get over the hump next year. Right. Yeah, it could be if, if Trey Lance develops into a better passer. But, um, you know, the Lions, you have multiple needs. And I think any time that somebody calls and gives you uh, an opportunity to get a couple more cracks at a top 10 pick, um, you, you got to really think long and hard about it. Yeah, we'll see what happens because I think – we know Houston needs a quarterback. They're at three. The problem is, I don't think there's a quarterback that anybody wants to go up to number two to jump Houston to get. Yeah. You know, Carolina at six, they need a quarterback. Is there somebody there that is interested enough to be able to go up at, at, at number, you know, to get it at number two? They also don't necessarily have the draft capital that you're looking for. Um, and whether it's, would you be okay with, uh, again, two first-round picks, you would go down to, to their sixth. They come up to two. You get maybe a second this year and then another first next year because Carolina, I don't think they're going to be that much better next year, especially with the, if they do decide to pick a quarterback with a rookie quarterback. Now you've got number six. You've got number you know, 31 or 32, 34. But next year, you would have three firsts with Carolina's, yours, and the one from the Rams. Yeah, well, you know, the good thing is that they're in a good situation right now with all the picks they have. Yeah. Now, this could go one of two, one of probably three ways, right? You can either stand pat at number two if there's a guy you really love, that's who you're drafting, and you wait again until 31 32. Uh, you just kind of wait and see who falls to you. Um, the second option, you can trade back, right? Take that number two and maybe parlay that into, like you said, uh, maybe bump back a couple spots, but pick up a two, pick up a future one. And then there's a situation, too, with the draft capital you have of uh, potentially moving back up. Mm-hmm. You know, you can maybe parlay uh, the 32 and 34 into moving back up into the top 20. 
Yeah. Right. If there's a guy you really love, maybe a receiver, um, you know, maybe uh, whether, you know, somebody drops that you really like that's sitting there at 18 and you're saying, all right, let's take, hey, let's take, let's it. get up, let's there. get, let's take 32, let's take 34, let's go get our guy. Um, so there's three situations you can have. Now, I'll be, that's what I'm interested to see. Are they going to play the game where they try to um, kind of sit back a little bit and garner more picks? Or are they going to use the weapons that they have to move back up? Are you going to use that? Rams pick uh, that 2023 pick, a uh, future one to move back up, right? Because odds tell you that 2023 Rams pick is probably going to be better than this year's. I mean, you can't get much worse than 31 32. So um, maybe teams are thinking, hey, the Rams are all in this year. Next year, they're not going to do well. So that 2023 pick is looking a whole lot better. Maybe you can use that to move back up into this year's draft as well. And that'll be interesting to, to see. I, I'd like, I, and like Brad Holmes uh, has said, I mean, they're open for business. I, I think that means. We're either open for moving up or we're open for moving down. I mean, give us a call. I mean, yep. if we see a guy we want, we're going to go get him. I, I think that um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to not only talk about for the next couple months, but to really see how this thing plays out, to see how aggressive Brad Holmes can get in identifying who he wants and being able to go get that guy. And the interesting thing will be as we watch guys move up and down mock drafts, we start to hear a little bit, you know, as 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 leaks happen who teams are really interested in, who they like, and that also influences who's moving up and down, but it's also trying to figure out what's real. What's, it's always fun. What's real, what's it's not always, real. It's always fun sifting through the bullshit. You know, yeah. <laughs> you get a team that is, uh, you know, slamming up one player and you're like, yeah, okay, come on, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's always fun and all it takes, you know, it only, it only takes one other team it to take the bait, one. you know, and yep. it's hard to, it's fun. I mean, it's fun. It happens every year, whether it's the draft free agency, um, just to see. <laughs> Just to see who's getting hyped up, and yeah. uh, you know the the little cat and mouse games that go on from from now until the draft in May uh, to see you know which teams are uh, you know being serious, see which teams are kind of hyping up, which one plays that, the game yeah, the best, who's playing the game, man. But that's uh, that's that's the best part about the off season. We don't have much football left. One game left to go this weekend, the big one. And then after that, we get to really sit back and hone in and, and talk about the the combine, talk about the draft, and yep. there's going to be a lot of movement from here till uh, here till May. So it's going to give us plenty to talk about. It will. Uh, another thing that we got to talk about is there's a lot of movement in uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, Mike McDonald left a couple weeks ago now uh, to take the defensive coordinator position with the Baltimore Ravens. So that position is still open. Uh, all the drama that went on with Jim Harbaugh this past week regarding the Minnesota Vikings. He is now back in Ann Arbor as the head coach and promises that this isn't going to be a yearly thing. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see it, you know, and, and believe it when that happens. Yeah. Uh, but yesterday, Sunday, Josh Gaddis um, decided that he was going to take his talents to South Beach. Um, and he is now the offensive coordinator for Mario Cristobal and the uh, Miami Hurricanes. Your thoughts on the timing and also the text message that he sent to the players about the disrespect from administration. Yeah, weird. I mean, timing was obviously weird, right? I think, uh, you know, the, you could look at it one way. I think that, you know, he, when the talk came out about Harbaugh potentially leaving and when that really heated up last week uh, with the Minnesota job, obviously if you're in Josh Gaddis' shoes, your name is being mentioned as, uh, being the guy from within that has a chance to get promoted and take over. Um, you know, Jim decides he's going to stay. 
and uh, Gaddis kind of seemed like he got a little butt hurt, right? Kind of yeah. seemed like he uh, he got a little upset there, and you know he said whatever whatever he said about the administration disrespecting you mean, him. I'm not the coach and, in waiting, uh, right? I mean that's just uh, look. I mean it, you're a professional. It's big boy football, you know. Uh, happens, and now uh, he didn't like it, and he left. So. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird, weird feeling going on over in, uh, you, you obviously got a better pulse on it than I do, but, um, you know, with, with everything that's going on in Ann Arbor and, um, I gotta be honest with you. I mean, when we heard the report last week about how Jim expects to be the Minnesota head coach, I gotta be honest as a Michigan fan, I honestly had zero reaction to it. Like I didn't have any emotional reaction. I didn't feel like oh, this sucks, man, we're losing our coach. It was just kind of like, yeah. eh, whatever, you know, because I'm I'm, I, I, I'm a realistic fan where I, I know, yeah, this last season was was awesome. I mean, it was a great season. You go to uh, the college football playoffs, you beat Ohio State, you win a Big Ten championship, that's great. But I also don't forget the previous six years. I don't forget 85% of Jim's hard tenure at Michigan where it was just – it was just ugly, you know. Yeah. It was ugly for the most part, and uh, that's something that I don't forget. So when I when I heard the report he's leaving, it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Go find somebody else that can maybe uh, take this program to the next step, you know. And uh, but no, I mean he comes back, and obviously Gaddis uh, thought that maybe he he was in line to get the job, didn't get it, and you know got a little upset about it, got butt hurt like we said, and decided to uh, decide to go somewhere else. But. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I think Jim's definitely got his hands full now. Questions, the, all the questions that we have coordinator positions, yeah, are going to be answered whenever it is that he names who the defensive coordinator is, who the offensive coordinator is, and you know what type of resume do they have? Is it going to? We won't know if it's a if a, a step forward, if it's the same, if it's a step back yeah. until. Quite honestly, until you get to October. You know what's hilarious, though, is, you know, just going through social media last week and seeing all the Michigan State fans just kind of celebrating this. And Jim's got no integrity. It's like, okay, let's pause and think about this, okay? Jim was very open and honest with his coaches, with the administration, and even from what we've heard with recruits where he said – if I get a chance, you know, to go to the NFL and take another job, I'm going to explore those options, right? Yeah. I'm just being honest with you. I'm being open and honest. Um, there was another coach who's in East Lansing now who his former job was sitting in front of donors, sitting in front of recruits, promising them, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm here in Colorado to stay. And eight hours later was in East Lansing, coaching Michigan State. So you want to talk about integrity? You want to talk about who at least uh, took the right path and was open and honest with recruits, with 18-year-old kids, with their parents, with your other coaches who depend on you to have a job to make a living, with the administration uh, who you can't just leave high and dry? Uh, you want to talk about integrity? I I think those two examples, uh, one speaks for themselves and the other one, look, Michigan State fans, I'd be careful what you wish for because Mel. I'm not saying Mel Tucker is a fantastic coach, but yeah. everywhere he's been, he's you know as soon as that better offer comes, he's gone. And Michigan State's tried to do their they, part, obviously, the to ante, pay so him. Whatever that better offer is, it's we'll, going to be I high. Think all of us would leave for you it. You know what? You you want to talk about integrity and all those things? Yeah. You, you might want to be careful what you wish for. And and this was my concern last week. I think I shared it with with you. I know I shared it on the morning show. It's the assistant coaches at this time of year. If Jim Harbaugh would have taken the Minnesota job, how many of the coaches would have gone with him 
uh, that are NFL type coaches. And uh, you know, obviously, I think he would have taken his son, uh, maybe Matt Weiss, because he's got NFL experience. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe one or two other guys. But the other other ones are left with okay, when a new coach comes in. Am I here? Yeah. Are they going to retain me? Is he going to bring his own guys? Yeah. Right, right. Or am I going to be let go? And now I'm under contract, so I get paid, but these are all young guys, and you don't want to be out of football for yeah. a year because all the other staffs are are you know are are filled up. Now all of a sudden you you know you're out, and then you know do you do you take an analyst job for a year? Do you you know just you know come back in an, in an advisory role for someone for a year so that you're not out of football for a year? That's that was the question I had, and now we're seeing some of the fallout with Josh Gaddis. Hey, I wasn't in line to to be the next head coach, so I'm gonna take my talents somewhere else. Um, and now Michigan's left with, and uh, to Jim's credit, he has been able to fill his staff with with quality individuals. You know, uh, he let Don Brown go. Here comes Mike McDonald. A lot of question marks going into it, but we didn't necessarily know what it was going to be. Now it turned out great. Now, who's that next defensive coordinator? Who's that next offensive coordinator? It took Josh Gaddis a couple of years to warm up, much like Jim in Ann Arbor. It took him six years to, to to get to where he could, you know, put together a Big Ten championship team. Josh Gaddis, it took two years where we were thinking, like, where is the speed and space? Yeah. What, what is it that we're talking about? Now, to his credit, last year, I thought he did a good job of, of putting together game plans, attacking different teams, sticking with his game plan, being patient because everybody was on him about the run. He didn't feel like he had to you know, immediately start throwing the ball downfield. He was patient and did a great job, was a Broyles Award winner. And, hey, good luck down in South Beach. And, we'll, again, the answers will come whenever it is that Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football program makes those, make those two, two hires. Yeah. No, and then I think Jim's, uh, it'll be interesting to watch the next couple weeks or month, however long it takes to fill those uh, roles. Yeah. But those are two pretty big roles you got to fill. So and a couple weeks ago, you gave me some homework. Uh, now I'm going to give you some homework. Uh, okay. Are you an Olympics guy? Mm, mm. Lukewarm. No, I'd okay. Say. You yeah. don't like America? <laughs> Oh, I do love America. I just uh, I, I I don't like staying up till midnight watching figure skating. Right. So okay, I'm glad you brought up figure skating. I want you to take a look at the winter events, and much like you, you know, running seven on seven. If you were to pick one of the Olympic events, and it can't be hockey, that one's much more of a of a common sport. Next week, I want to know T.J. Lang if he was a winter sport athlete. What his winter sport would be? What Ooh. would you make the Olympics in? Okay, and I'll so have to, uh, I'll have to do some homework. Yeah, that's that's your homework for for next week. We'll obviously be talking about the Super Bowl. We we covered it a little bit last week, so we didn't feel the need to uh, give our breakdowns this week. We'll uh, we'll be talking about uh, a new Super Bowl champ. Will it be Matt Stafford? Will it be Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals? We'll find out. Stay tuned here for all your football information. We're going to start branching out as well. The hockey, the Pistons, uh, the Tigers baseball, the lockout, all of that information we'll be covering here on Necessary and Roughness with Lang and Jansen.